God bless each of you this morning, and thank you for being here. You know, I was going to, you have the title there in your flyer for the sermon, but if I were to retitle this sermon, I would title it, Jesus is all that, but he chose not to be all that. And today, in the subject of unity, we are going to look into something we all struggle with as well, this topic of humility. You know, I have many friends that I was their chaplain at First Medical Battalion years ago. We went to Iraq in 2003. We were with the pioneers that went over there to, uh, to take out Saddam Hussein and his regime. His evil, and it was a very, very evil regime. I had many friends, different walks of life. Uh, people I certainly came to love and love them today. And many of them I am friends with on that genius of an operation that was created by an evil genius called Facebook. And in the political realm, many of them are on the liberal side, many of them are on the conservative side, and of course, the battles go on. And with one of these in particular, been going back and forth a long time with them. And, you know, and, and sometimes, don't arguments escalate at times? Well, yeah, the arguments escalate and things like that. And, of course, many times, who has not ever lost a friend on Facebook yet because you had a little dispute about something? But he's hung in there, and I generally have a rule. I don't, I don't cut friends out. You can disappear from me. I usually won't disappear from you. I can usually handle disagreements, but in my mind, give me good reason for it. I need reason. I need logic. And nevertheless, it came to a head in conversation this gentleman wrote a, a long reply to me, private messaging, and I read it, and he said something to me, and that really touched my soul. He says, you know, back when you were a battalion chaplain, this was my first tour, by the way. My first tour was started in 2001. And what he said in there was, you know what, Taps, I always very fondly remember the time you were there with me, comforting me and with me when I lost my mom. I'll be honest with you, I don't remember all that moment. But it totally touched my heart. And I thought to myself, what a blessing it was at that time. I never think of my work that way. I, I rarely hear what counseling and things like that that I do with people do. I rarely, and it's okay with me. Because I know some way, somehow, God's out there working. But going back then, that, that was maybe, gosh, over 16 years ago. I mean, from 2001 is when I started to 2019, do the math, that's around 18 years. And nothing ever touched his heart in relation to me as a chaplain was that one moment. And I said back to him, I said, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am to hear that. And I'm glad you remember that way, remember you that way. And I went, I said, maybe that's the chaplain I need to be. Maybe I need to humble myself right now. Because I know something when my mom passed away when I was in Guam in 2003, and I, I got the word on that when I was on a, uh, uh, um, on a ship, the Frank Cable, in the wardroom. There was a Navy chaplain, a senior chaplain, who was there for me, bringing comfort to me in my time. 
We are not all that, folks. We want to believe we are all that. We're not all that. Jesus is all that. And the amazing thing about Jesus Christ is he came in the form of a servant. That word servant means slave. Yes, it means slave. He did and he willingly came as a servant. Something that you and I so much struggle with. Let us look at these verses in Philippians uh, chapter 2, starting at verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality God as, with God as something to be exploited. That means he didn't, mean, he didn't say he was all that. He didn't come to be all that. But he still was all that. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Death on a cross. Humility. You know, let us never ever think for a second that we are too good to learn lessons from anybody, including lost people. Even John Calvin, as great as he was, the great theologian in 1500, said that many times lost people are there to teach us lessons. And we should not overlook that. Let us not have pride in the way we live our lives. This passage gets to the heart of what Jesus emptied himself means. It is called the kenosis passage. Kenosis is the Greek word for emptying. And what many people wonder is, well, what did Jesus empty himself of? Well, that's what we're going to get into. And not only that, but we need to understand the first sentence here. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Basically, a saying, have this attitude in yourselves and have this attitude among yourselves. That's two perspectives, isn't it? Have this attitude that Paul is going to get ready to write about here. It says, alert. This is how you as a congregation need to be. If you want to understand that the unity, the centrality of that unity in Christ, you need to understand Christ's humility. Last week, we looked at character. We looked deeper into character. And a couple of those characters, the two Ds, double D, the one who did it wrong, Diotrephes, who had to be the first in everything. And then we had Demetrius, who was a prime example, who had a great testimony to the church. And Paul said, mimic, live your lives, imitate what is good and not evil. Character. And now we're slipping into something even deeper, into humility. Have this attitude. The same attitude among yourself as that of Christ Jesus, our example. Existing in the form of God. Have the attitude among yourself. And it does have to be an individual thing first. 
Let us not think any time, any way that we're about learning this or being this. Many times we backslide because of our own pride. And if anybody had any reason to take on new things, it was Jesus when he was in the form of humanity. Because even though he emptied himself, he still was always God and is always God. He never gave up. He never gave up his attributes. So let's look at what he meant when it said he emptied himself. We know that Jesus only one time when he was in his humanity displayed his glory. And that was when he took Peter, James, and John and experienced the Mount of Transfiguration. He went and he appeared for them in the shining white light of his glory. And we know that it did something to the three of them because it knocked them out for a little while. And we know from the uh, account in Luke that Jesus had a conversation with Moses and Elijah. And it was about his decease that was coming. Now, I, to this day, always think, we know what they talked about, but oh goodness, what did they say? (laughs) That's the journalism in me. I gotta know. (laughs) But they talked about his upcoming journey to the cross and what that was going to accomplish. Jesus, I assume, told him, I'm going to finish this mission. This is the mission that the Father assigned to me. This is the mission that I emptied myself and took on the form of a servant for. This is the mission that I left my throne in glory for. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Peter wrote about that account in one of his letters. And you know, even though Peter said, I, we saw Jesus glorified on the mount, Peter didn't brag and he didn't glory in that. He talked about we have a more sure message in the prophetic word. Read the word, learn it, understand it, and grow in it. It was Peter was telling the believers. That's more important than he saw in that one glorious vision. Because Peter was always rambunctious and got, gets excited. And oh, of course, always, oh, oh, Jesus, let us make three tabernacles. That's tents. Let us make three tents for you. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And oh boy, the Almighty God came down and thundered. And <laughs> you didn't hear another word from Peter. You watch Peter in the Bible sometimes. He's almost comical. I mean, Peter always wanted to lead and be the first to do everything. But I'll tell you, man, you know, he, he could be a guy who do a great thing. Says like when Jesus asked, who does man say that I am? He said, you are the Christ, the son of God. And Jesus said, blessed are you. And then the next thing you know, a few verses later, he's challenging Jesus about the cross. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. What an incredible guy Peter was. How did he do it? But I'll tell you what, you learn so much about Peter. When you, you could, we could do a series on Peter and learn so much about him from what he did, what he said. And I assure you, we'll find so much of ourselves in Peter. So much of ourselves. Peter wanted to think he was all that at times. But he wasn't all that. He learned when Jesus said, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? 
he learned finally that Jesus is all that. And he's all that you and I never ever need as well. What did it mean? We know he left his throne in glory. We know that he emptied himself of. It wasn't his divine attributes he emptied himself of because if he had done that, he would have ceased to be God. And the Bible never declares that Jesus ever ceased to be God. He took on the form of the human being. His favorite title was the Son of Man to live and walk on this earth for over 33 years to be the Savior of the world. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to touch hearts that were broken. There wasn't anything special in Jesus' appearance. We know that from the book of Isaiah. We don't see anything where people looked at Jesus and say, he's definitely like Saul. He's head and shoulders above everybody else. Put the robe on him now. Nobody saw Jesus as all that. We don't see that. We do see it one time, though, when, when Jesus fed the 5,000, the account in John of the feeding. You do see that point, and there was a big discussion about that in John chapter 6. Because Jesus came, they said they wanted to make him a king because he gave him food. We want the goodies. We want to make you king. He didn't come to do that. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. This was the one sermon that, that caused many people to stop following Jesus because he says, unless you drink my, eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. <laughs> and even the disciples, the apostles couldn't even get that in their mind. What? In, it, it, it blew their minds away. Jesus was teaching them, all this food here, this is temporary. I'm the one who gives you the true life. I am the true bread of life. By it, any man comes to me and will live. That was the only time where people thought about making Jesus a king, as we saw in there. But Jesus ran the other direction because that wasn't his mission. His mission was to empty himself and take on the role and form of a servant to become the savior of mankind. He willingly set aside, basically this is what the kenosis passage is saying. He willingly, understand that word, the key word is willingly, on his own initiative, on his own prerogative, in the eternal realms of the plan of God. And you and I don't always know, we weren't sitting in God's council, and I assure you, God never calls an emergency council session. That doesn't exist in heaven. But in those plans, among the Trinity... They said this is how it was going to be that for a period of time Jesus was going to willingly lay aside or empty himself of the display of his glory for personal gain. He wasn't going to come to earth and say I'm all that. He wasn't going to come to earth and show the conceit and take the throne of glory right away. He didn't come with the expectation of the people of that time. When Messiah comes, he's going to come as a king. He may come down from heaven. He's going to take the throne. He's going to slaughter the Romans, and we're going to be free. Everybody got it wrong. They weren't expecting a humble servant. They weren't expecting one who was going to heal the deaf, raise the dead, give sight to the blind, 
That's not what they were looking for. They were looking for one who, like Saul, was head and shoulders above the rest. They were looking for that great warrior like David. Yes, he was born in the line of David, and yes, he was a king, but not the kind of king they were expected, nor the kind of king they wanted because they put him on a cross. He emptied himself of the display of his deity for personal gain, which simply means he willingly laid aside his privileges. Family, he did that for you and me. Does that humble you? When you think about that? The eternal Savior, if you could just take a little look at Isaiah chapter 6 and look at Isaiah's vision. Do you understand that's where Jesus came from? To a sin-sickened, stricken world. He did that for you and for me. He willingly did it. And willingly indicates choice, doesn't it? But there could be no other plan. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We say begotten means one and only. It means unique. There is no other way. There is no other savior. God didn't give multiple saviors. He gave his word prior to Jesus coming, and he gave Jesus when he was here on earth. We must listen to his word. We must come to God the way Jesus said, and that is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Those are Jesus' words, by the way, not mine. We only come through him. He chose not to exercise the divine prerogative. Nothing of this was taken from him. It wasn't taken from him. If you want to go to Luke chapter 4, let's, we can look at it a little bit. Jesus endured three temptations. And when I talk about he chose not to be all that, you can see from the temptations, these are the things often where we fall. We talk about being all that. I'm into all that today, aren't I? Well, there we go. You heard it here first. <laughs> the letter of Paul to the Philippians. Yes, that's where we are. But right now we're going to swing back to Luke. <laughs> this is Luke's account of the temptation. I'm not going to read it, but I want to just talk to you. We know that the first temptation dealt with bread. It said that after the first temptation, Jesus was hungry. Well, goodness, I, don't, I can't last one day being hungry, much less 40 days. But the first temptation came and Satan was trying to get Jesus off the track by helping him fulfill self-interest. Self-interest. Direct him. Set him in a different path. Come on, you got the, you got the right, you got the prerogative. You can, you can take care of yourself right now. Just change these pews into bread. Could Jesus have done that? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. But it wasn't time for that. Man must not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Instead, they got to finish the whole thing. By God's will, it is the reason why you and I exist. Number one. Number two, if we want life, we must live by this word. We must live by this word. Of course, Jesus' answer 
took care of temptation number one. How else? Let's say Jesus was all that. Oh, here, Jesus, look at this. All the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I run those. Oh, by the way, Satan still runs those today. He is the prince in the power of the air. And you look throughout scripture. And you can go back and look at Daniel when he had to fight the prince of Persia, the angel. There is a spiritual warfare out there. The one who controls spiritual forces in high places. We will have a series of sermons on spiritual warfare down the road. I was blessed to be on USNS Mercy a few years ago. And I took time, and I still got more and more to build on it. Took time to start writing a series on spiritual warfare, which I have used, and I will use it along the way at the right time when I feel the Lord's leading in this congregation. But the prince and the power of the air. Showed him all the kingdoms. Hey, I'll give you every one of these if you'll bow down and worship me. How many people, because they wanted to be great and famous, have sold their souls? I find a terrific, I have a terrific site I follow. It's called Good Fight Ministries. And it talks about some of the history of people in music, especially, who literally sold their souls to the devil to be famous. And many of them, most of them, crashed and burned. You pay a high cost when you sell your soul to Satan. It comes with very high costs, and it comes with costs of eternity in hell. People got to choose who they're going to serve, and there are only two paths. There's a path to life, and there's a path to death. Christian, this world is not our home. We are only passing through. Don't make your tent and bank your eternity on the things of this world. Bank them on the things of God and his mission. But we know what Jesus said back. Worship your Lord, your God, and serve him only. Come on. Sidestep God's plan. Fulfill the people's expectations. Take out the Romans. It's time for you to be king. Do you know what we would have lost if he had done that? We would have lost the cross. We would have never been saved. That's the sidestepping we're talking about here. And then number three. Presumption on his relationship with the Father. The third one. Oh, get on the corner of this pinnacle and take a flying leap. People are going to notice and say, you're something special. You know the angels are going to pick you up because you've got to finish your mission. Just do that. Presume on God. Have we ever done that? <laughs> I think we fall into temptation to do that over time. I sure have. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus took time to finish it. And ended it. Ended the temptation. Throw, your, throw yourself down and Jesus says, do not test the Lord your God. Look, family, Jesus was all that. But he willingly laid aside his, the prerogative to exercise who he was in heaven. Act upon the will of the Father. Acted upon and lived and devoted himself to the mission. He came as a servant. 
There was nothing special that you and I would see about him. We look at the world and we have power plays. We play games. We hurt people and stuff like that. We get defensive. How dare you hurt my pride, my dignity? Who are you? Well, who are you? Yes, you're made in the image of God. But one of the characteristics is, Christian, we must have this attitude in ourselves. We must have this attitude among ourselves of Jesus Christ who came in the form of a servant. He existed with God. He had equality with God. But he chose to not exercise divine prerogative. He emptied himself and became the form of a servant. Took on the form of humanity to eventually go to the cross for you and me. The cross. You know, many years ago, when you talk about humility, the famous southern general, and I know him in the south, what Robert E. Lee did here was 100% correct. Robert E. Lee, at the end of a worship service, went and knelt, knelt. And you know at that time, and we know what race relations were throughout history. But at that time, an African-American and Robert E. Lee were kneeling together. And at the end of it, Somebody asked Robert E. Lee, why did you kneel next? You know, maybe it was former slave. I don't know. I don't know the whole story. But what Robert E. Lee said, I never forgot. And don't forget, family, the ground is always level at the foot of the cross. It is what brings you and me together in harmony. It is about the communion of saints. Only Jesus did that, family. The world can try to be good and all these things all they want. But until they understand, until we take on the character of Jesus, until we understand what it means to adopt this same attitude among ourselves, that can be peace in the world. And guess what? If it happens, the world isn't going to like, don't ever expect the world like church, by the way. Please don't. They won't. But don't ever let us stop us from being Christians. I encourage everyone to go out this week and think about humility. Think about this passage. Think about it in reference what this form of a servant came to do for you. And take that and shine that light to others. Sometimes God might bring that person right in your path. And you know what? Sometimes God might test you in certain ways. Like I felt I was tested yesterday with Tom. I don't know how it will come, but God will do that. He does things in unique ways in our lives. He teaches us humility in ways that we don't expect. But remember, he is all that. We are not all that. If you want to be all that, follow the example of Christ and be a servant to others. Shine the light of Christ in this world. Amen? Amen? Let us pray together. Our gracious God, truly you are good. And we give you thanks for the love, the love that it took for you to come and die on that cross. 
You who came obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We say much about the cross today. Our salvation and our hope is only in that cross. It is that cross that ultimately showed the love you had for mankind. It's the love and that cross that saved us individually. Lord, we as Christians must come together. We must have this attitude among ourselves. Understand our Savior who set the ultimate example of servanthood and humility. He is all that. And truly we are grateful for that. Lord, touch the life of one who needs you today. Somebody who may not know you as Lord and Savior. Touch the life of the Christian that you want to bring back in the fold who's been away. Touch those who want to seek you, Lord, and make that path for them so they can grow in you. And Lord, for us as a congregation, we pray that we would work to have this attitude in ourselves. That Jesus would be the pinnacle in all things that we do. That we may do all those things truly to glorify you. And we may be there for each other to be willing to humble ourselves. And not let divisions overcome us. Let us sell things. Let us be able to take the step back and say, yeah, maybe I was out of line. Maybe I need to be better. Let us not put up the walls. But let us learn to live as true servants, as the one who washed the feet of his disciples before he went to the cross. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our last hymn is actually 229, 229, Our God Reigns. 